Welcome to the Renegade Nutrition Podcast, where we discuss all things wellness. I'm Eleni Welch, nutritionist. And I'm Kay Boyer, health enthusiast. Hello, Renegades. Hello, Renegades. Welcome back to another episode of Wellness with Eleni. <laughs> and Kay. <laughs> all these good sound bites. You know, this is off the tilt of my tongue right there. <laughs> Uh, today we're going to talk about gut health, and mm. this is what I'm calling Gut Health 101. 101. Gut okay. 101. Beginner course. Beginner course. Exactly. This yep. is not a deep dive into yep. every aspect of not gut health. a master's program. Well, you've had a master's, but <laughs> this is not program. the master's course. Yep. Yes. Um, but this is a kind of comprehensive overview yep. of the topic, and we'll cover several different aspects of gut health, but we won't cover every aspect of gut health mm, today because uh, that would be like a four-hour podcast. So I'm sure we'll have a few episodes on gut health, but this is our Gut Health 101. Yes, I have some good questions. So we'll oh, see I'm ready. what you answer and then yeah, I'm here for the ride. Okay. Well, um, we'll just start with an introduction to gut health, which is a super near and dear topic to my heart. Yes. Because it is the thing that first, it was the beginning of my health journey was healing my gut, um, yeah. which I don't even know that we've talked about this in detail, but when I was 20, 20, a probably young, close to 20. A young pup. A young pup. Now over a decade ago. <laughs> I like getting old enough that you can say things happened like a decade ago. Yes. Yes. You know, or like being like, I've been friends with this person for over a decade. Yep, yeah. Like back in my 20s. Yeah. Like... Uh, that'll be almost half my life ago. Okay, yeah. we're knocking on that, but yeah, yep. yeah. Anyway, I like being able to put things in decades. I think yep. it's kind of fun. Yep. It's like one of the fun things about getting older. Anyway, yep. <laughs> <laughs> so over a decade ago, so when I was twenty, uh, I went through sort of this severe health episode ah. that didn't have a lot of explanation to it in my world because I was totally unfamiliar at that time with nutrition, Natural, yep, and wellness. Um, so one of the first things that happened is I suddenly lost 10 pounds, like literally overnight. Wow. And I didn't really know what had happened. Um, yeah. And I didn't feel super well. I had a lot of digestive issues. Okay. Okay. And I had a lot of bloating and then just really kind of gassy and like yeah. indigestion oh. and... Ah. I don't know. It was a thing. And I felt like things weren't quite right. Okay. Um, but not to the extent that I did anything about yeah. it. Um, although I, I kept my eye on my weight because I was a little... It seemed like it was yo, yo-yoing kind yeah. of a lot, which was yeah. strange. And then um, then it really got serious when I my skin began to react to everything. Well, yes, yes, yes. That is part of like that. Yes. When your skin is more sensitive. Yes. It feels, Literally. Yeah, I was. Something. Yeah. I was breaking out in hives all yes. the time. Kind of from. So it started. We talked about this in our yeah. podcast with Liana on our skin health podcast. Mm. I talked about that time that I tried the oil cleansing with the castor oil. Yeah. And then I, it turned out I was allergic to castor oil and yes. my face broke out in hives yes. Yes. and my eyes swelled shut and it was horrible. Um, that was the start. So mm, that experience happened. Yep. 
And then I got that reaction under control within a few days. And then it was almost like I started just reacting to everything after that. Your body's like immune response was on heightened. Yes. Yes. It was like, yeah, exactly. It was heightened. And and so then I started reacting to really benign ingredients like Mm. aloe vera. So I literally couldn't use any body wash. I couldn't use any face wash. I couldn't use any lotion because any like natural, I was, I was at least aware enough of the natural that I was trying to use more natural products and literally everything just made me react. And it was horrible. Like I used a shaving cream one time that I had used for years. Wow. I used it again during this time period and shaved my legs and my legs just broke out in these horrific hives yeah and it was right before a wedding i was doing a little bit of photography at the time yeah so i actually was f- doing photography for a wedding yes, as a which professional. is already yes. stressful yes and then the night before i shaved my legs and then i woke up the next morning my legs were covered in hives you're wearing pants i was wedding. Like, you're wearing your yes. longest dress yes yep. i think i ended up wearing tights and a dress yes and, which when you're doing mark. photography you're like up and down and squatting and do it, it yeah. actually ended up being more beneficial but yeah. it was kind of debilitating because I had no idea what I was going to react to. I will say this, Eleni, I am so proud of your health journey up till now. You, your body has been through the gamut. Like, (laughs) has been through the gamut. Amazing that you like really are like back to like a healthy, like very healthy person. Yeah. Um, That's golly. Yeah. So those experiences happened. And then, and this was, by the way, just the way the weight loss and everything that happened after it kind of stretched out over several years like the weight mm-hmm. loss happened mm-hmm. and then that was the start and then the indigestion and the bloating and the gassy like just constantly feeling like burping yeah. i just was Subpar. that was over several years i think yeah. and then my skin started to react and the reactions got worse and worse with that that castor oil experience really being kind of the epitome. (laughs) And then everything happened after that. Screw it. Yep. Um, So it was several years, which I think is often the case for people is that when it's a subtle thing that it's not so bad that like I need to go to the doctor or I'm dying. Right. When it's that subtlety, you let it go a little bit longer and you don't know what to do. Yeah. And you kind of, you think you're just going to go and everything's going to, they're going to tell you everything's fine. Yeah. Which is kind of often the case. But <laughs> but it, it's not usually fine. And so anyway, finally, after that experience of just my legs breaking out and having really bad hives, um, I decided to contact some people that I knew that were health professionals. So one of them was a nutritionist, my good friend, Jessica Stam. Um, I love her. She went through the University of Bridgeport before I did. And she's actually part of the reason why I chose that program. And she was a nutritionist and she went to my church. So I knew her, although she didn't live in Iowa anymore, she actually lived in Hawaii. So I gave her a call and I kind of filled her in on what was going on. And um, she said, with the weight loss being the precipitating event, the first thing that came to her mind was a massive bacterial die off. So this is where I first learned from her is that the bacteria that live in our gut, like our gut microbiome, weigh roughly 10 pounds. 
That's <gasps> how much bacteria. Okay, okay, okay. This is so interesting. What made the die off happen? Did, what, did you go on an alcohol bender? Did you <laughs> what? What did you eat? Dog poop? I like what could make ten pounds of bacteria? Get yeah, out of you. I really don't know. We're still not fully sure what the precipitating event was. Okay. Prior to that, I had been vegetarian, but not a good one for four years. Like just because like, you could eat a Twinkie because it's not meat, but a Twinkie's not good for yeah, you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so I had made that shift from eating vegetarian to meat, and that might have thrown things off a little bit because oh. I didn't handle that transition carefully. Yeah. Um. And and also, I think being vegetarian wasn't that good for my body in general. Right, right. And, and you probably my body just... craves meat and does yeah. better on meat. Same, same. And then I don't know if there was a stressful event. I might have gotten sick, like gotten the stomach flu or something, because that can happen. A sudden acute severe illness can cause that. A chron- like a sudden stressful event in your life can cause that. So because it was several years later, mm. and I hadn't really known... Yeah. About the microbiome at the time that the weight loss happened. I didn't give a lot of thought to my environment and what was happening. Mm, So mm -hmm. a few years later when she mentioned that, it was hard for me at that time to think back to what was happening at that point in my life. Yeah. That would have caused that. Yeah. But yeah, a lot of things can cause that. I mean, it could be food poisoning. It could be an environmental toxin. I did in my all through college. I worked in a, a microbiology lab. We were studying. Oh. Yeah, we were studying. You could have gotten some mm-hmm. microorganism Well, or toxins. I toxins. worked with benzene and other really oh. kind of terrible toxins. Um, and you use personal protective equipment, but you just never know. So yeah. Yeah. there are a few times when I've thought back to the research I did in that lab and thought about the exposure. You know, sometimes you accidentally drip something on your glove and your glove's you know, when when you're in your 20s and you feel invincible, you don't necessarily yes. think about, I better pull this glove off right now and replace it. I didn't learn about that sort of yep. right. necessity right. until I personally studied occupational environmental health. Yes. Um. Yeah. So I was exposed to sort of a lot of things. So it could have been a toxin. It could have been mold. I mean, yes. mold exposure. I, I think like I'm pretty sensitive now. to mold. I lived in a moldy college building my first uh, year of college, and then I moved into kind of a moldy basement after that. <laughs> yes, well, let's do a mold episode on podcast. Yeah. That's a, that's a thing. That would be a that's a real thing. So yeah, yeah. any any a virus can cause it. The mold exposure, toxin exposure, stress stressful life event, a lot of things. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. anyway, so she first brought that topic up to me, and then I was working with um, another woman in my church who was a chiropractor. And she ran a full stool test for me and did a comprehensive analysis and found that my gut microbiota was definitely whack. So I think what happened was probably I had a massive bacterial die-off a few years prior. Then it had been repopulated and not not in a very balanced way. Mm -hmm. And then just over time, the imbalances grew worse and worse and worse. And so Mm. my symptoms grew worse and worse and worse. So... Um, she gave me, yeah, she's the first person that chiropractor was the first person I ever heard about the term leaky gut from. I had Mm. no familiarity with that whatsoever. And she taught me about a lot of important things to help manage that. Um, and what's leaky gut for our listeners? Well, I'll get into that for sure. That's a big piece of of this. Um, and so, yeah. And she, she told me about hydrating adequately, breathing properly, Mm. like taking nice belly breaths. 
um, being an important part of that, which is interesting because we just did our whole episode on all of those things and how important that is. So yeah, that information was all really new to me at that time, but that was my introduction to the importance of the gut microbiome. So she actually had me make dietary changes, which I, I stuck to, and then, um, introduced a few supplements to help heal my gut and a whole protocol. And I did that for a few months and all of the symptoms went away and everything got a lot better and my skin got way less reactive. Um, and I stopped reacting to aloe vera, which was huge because I, I literally had to avoid it for almost a year, which is difficult. It's Yeah, in- aloe vera is like the healing plant. Oh, exactly. <laughs> the healing skin plant can't help you. It can. Yeah, and that was when I was talking to the chiropractor. Her name was Beth. That was one of the things she said is when you start reacting to benign mm-hmm. beneficial substances like aloe vera, your body is trying really it's, hard it's to mad. get your attention. Yep, yep, <laughs> yep, yep. And so that's where she introduced me to that concept of what's happening internally that you can't see. Yeah. Your body will do something externally to to get your attention and to say, hey, like something is not going right. You need to do something about it. Yeah. And then when you don't do something about it, you start reacting to more and more things until you have no choice but to do something yes. about it. Yep, our body... That yes, finds that balance by screaming at us. So, exactly. You know. And I feel so blessed that the influences I had on my life at that time were people who could help me get to the root cause of the problem yep. and helped me figure it out through a dietary and lifestyle perspective. Um, because otherwise my toolkit probably would have been to get a steroid cream or something like that. Yep. Where yeah. then I would be addressing the symptom and covering up the symptom. And if I broke out, I could just put the steroid cream on right. and I would feel better, but I wouldn't be addressing the root the cause. Root cause right? And I'm so glad that that early in my life, I learned that really important lesson. Yeah. And then honestly, all the problems went away. All the problems went away. And then that was my my personal reality of health from then on yeah. is it was like, oh, if if something like that happens in my body, if I break out in a rash, if I get acne, if I have hives, my first thought was, oh, something's probably not going right with my digestion or my gut. That just became my reality. Yeah. Yep. Whereas for so many people, I mean, you're learning or hearing that information maybe for the first time if you're lucky. Otherwise, you may never know that information. Yeah. So I feel really blessed yeah. that that was my influence. Um, and I do think that that played a role in just the evolution of me becoming a nutritionist later on was because it just... That's cool. That was my experience. And now you can give all this root help to you guys that we can hopefully help a lot of people's mm-hmm. guts. So are the supplements you took more of a general that we all could use it or were they pertinent to your body's problem? Um, a little bit of both, okay. but I do have a list of uh, supplements at the end of this podcast that Ooh. I'll talk about. Okay, I want to know. That can be helpful. And about probiotics, components. but we'll get there. Yeah, yep. yeah, yeah. Um, so I'll jump into it having given that longer than intentioned introduction <laughs> my my bestie station always says long story long yes but it's fun long story <laughs> good, long good. yeah exactly um so first i want to just recognize the importance of a healthy gut so some of the things that you may have heard about the gut maybe some like catchphrases or yeah. whatever um is the gut brain connection yep and i want to talk a lot about that in this podcast is the importance of the gut brain connection and um i'll start us out with the importance of a healthy microbiota since that's what i 
experienced in my journey through improving my gut health was the importance of the microbiome. Um, So I'm going to start off with that information on that. So like I mentioned before, we carry in our bowels at any given time basically over 100 trillion bacteria. So many. Um, yeah, so many. Let me start yeah, counting them. It literally One, weighs two. more than your brain. Like hey. <laughs> your gut microbiota Bacteria. weighs more than your brain. Wow. And when I, I guess maybe not everybody's familiar with that term. When you say microbiome or microbiota, what you mean is the the whole collection, like, the whole host of bacteria that live in your gut. The little environment. Yes. Yeah. And if you didn't know already, bacteria can be good and bacteria can be bad with quotes around the bad. Yeah. All bacteria serve a purpose. And it's about it's, the balance. It's about the balance. Yep. And it's more when they get imbalanced that bacteria, any good bacteria can become a quote unquote bad bacteria if they overpopulate and become imbalanced. So anyway, your microbiota is the whole collection of gut bacteria that live in your intestines. Um, so yeah, roughly... 10 pounds per person is that microbiota. Wow. Yours was smaller than your brain back in, back in your 20s. <laughs> <laughs> My head is heavy. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I read a really interesting book while I was preparing for this podcast called The Psychobiotic Revolution. Yeah. Um, which Kay is going to laugh at me because I literally prepared for this podcast in an hour and a half. But that's how you fast, rocked it. That's how fast I read books. Just, yep, yep. That's why I can. <laughs> but yeah. Anyway, um, I didn't have to do so much preparation for this episode because, again, the you love the gut. GI health, gut health is my it's my thing. It's like what I've studied the most out of everything. So I really, it's my favorite topic. I didn't know this of all of our talks. Yeah. It's my favorite topic. Um, so this was my favorite thing from this book, the psychobiotic revolution. Um, a single bacterium given enough food to eat could multiply until its brethren reached the mass of the earth in two days. I'm going to repeat that. A That's insane. S- a single bacterium given enough food to eat could multiply until its brethren reached the mass of the earth in two days. Boom. Yeah, isn't that crazy? The power of that. And of course, that's without competition and without limitations. So that's why your your bacteria, the trillions of bacteria you have in your gut. Would just... Yeah, they don't like you don't explode from them because there's natural competition. There's not enough food for them to continue to like multiply. We got to cut them off. Unhindered. So it's good to have healthy competitions. Wow. (laughs) Um, So yeah, which it's good that they can multiply so fast because we're completely dependent on them. So in our bodies, our gut bacteria are responsible for fighting pathogens. They're actually the first line of defense in your immune system. So having a really healthy gut is absolutely crucial for immune health because they help fight pathogens, they produce vitamins, they ferment our food, and they help us get every last nutrient and calorie out of every speck of food. Okay, so we want them. Yeah, yeah. And truly, our microbiota could be considered its own organ within the body. So if you don't have a healthy microbiota, you don't have a healthy immune system, you're not able to digest your food well, you're not getting the nutrients you need out of your food, and they also produce certain neurotransmitters and vitamins on their own. So it's pretty important. That is. This is amazing. I'm learning such good things. Yeah. So we have only like basically brushed the surface on sequencing the bacteria that live in the gut. 
Okay. Like we hear of a few common strains that anytime they sequence a gut, they typically find these strains, but there are literally probably tens of thousands of strains in a person's gut and every person is completely unique. Um, So we typically have found thousands of distinct bacterial species, including eukaryotes, which are like fungi. So we also have fungi. Um, Archaebacteria, which are yeasts, which are very important for fermentation of food, and viruses. So as part of that microbiome, it's not just bacteria, but it's also fungus, yeast, and viruses. And they are all an essential part of that. So you need those things. So for everybody who thinks all viruses are bad, you actually need Need them. Okay, Mm -hmm. and then that's also making me think of like the to take an antibiotic. Yes. Okay, I'm sure you're going to touch I on am. this. So we'll, but that bet. just linked in my brain like, oh, that's why you really, okay, watch that. Yeah, okay. watch that. Um, and so the interesting thing is that those gut bacteria form their own societies that are completely dependent on location. So in one part of your intestine, you have like one population okay. of bacteria and a one community and in another part you have a different community we've got the colon community here we got the northeast <laughs> col- you know, col- <laughs> colony here got- what the small intestine estates yeah <laughs> small intestine estates. <laughs> um yeah so some bacteria populate the inner gut um others thrive within the mucus layer that forms in our gut um some even thrive on that cell epithelial surface of the gut so um and it really does kind of so basically the general population of our gut is that it's pretty sparse in the upper small intestine and then it increases as you like head to the large intestine so Mm. Mm. where you hear the phrase small intestinal bacterial overgrowth or Mm -hmm. SIBO what that means is that part of the small intestine that's supposed to have sparse colonization of bacteria becomes overpopulated with bacteria. And that can cause a lot of symptoms because it's not meant to have bacteria in there and they're fermenting your food and they're producing waste products and that's not where they're supposed to be doing that. So that can cause a whole host of of issues, but just so that you Mm -hmm. have that understanding. Um, And importantly, the gut microbiota are extremely dynamic. So the species composition that inhabits your gut changes over time with some bacteria being more volatile than others. So um, what's really interesting is that the population of bacteria you have in your gut can even vary from meal to meal. Mm. So you can eat a certain food that has some bacteria on it that you've never had before, and then they might inhabit your gut for a day and do some work during that day, and then they might leave the next day. Wow. It's kind of variable, which is why getting a varied diet is so important. Mm, Yeah. Because you need a variety of foods to to support a variety of bacteria. And, And lots of bacteria feed on different foods. So not all bacteria in your gut can feed on eggplant and not all can feed on red meat and not all can feed on eggs and not all can feed on dairy. There are very specific bacteria that break down each food type. Yeah. And so you want a varied diet because you want to be feeding a variety of bacteria so that you always maintain that really healthy balance and you're not just feeding one or two types. That just gave me a thought. Okay, then when we fast and we give them no food for a very long time maybe this is like i don't know how what kind of level we're going to here but does that 
That doesn't clear them out completely, no. but it, does it get some of the population away and the others are hungry? Can they hang around or what's that fasting? I think they can survive for a, a good amount of time. I mean, I'm, I'm not, I guess I'm okay. not sure on something like a 30-day fast or okay. really long fast, um, but they can live several days at the very least, Yeah, you know, without And maybe food. some of them need to not have food for a little bit. <laughs> yeah, and I think there is something to... Inducing a healthy stress in our body like we get with a gentle fast that kind of improves the resiliency of everything in your body. Yeah. yeah. So from just a sort of non-scientific standpoint, I mean, it's gardening season here in Iowa. And I'm thinking about the fact that like before we put our plants in the garden, you know, we start our seeds inside and we protect them and we keep them on a heating mat and then they germinate. Mm-hmm. And then we do little things to stress them out over time. You know, we remove their cover so it's not so warm in the tray anymore. And then we take them off of the heating mat and then we move them outside so they get the stress of the sun and the wind. And then the wind makes them stronger because they have to like build a stronger stem to withstand it. So I kind of think about that with gentle stresses can be beneficial to our body. Yeah, it makes them stronger. Yeah, it makes them stronger. So my first thought is that that would be sort of the effect of a, mm. a gentle fast on yeah. it is it would kind of just make everything stronger and you probably would lose a few species um but i can't speak to a really extended fast or anything like that i'm not quite sure yeah it's I a good like question your, um gardening story there could be a good children's book yeah <laughs> right little seedling and now we put them out in the garden yeah, yeah that's cute. you need the stress yeah. gentle life stresses you do have to go through things that make you stronger yeah um so Interestingly, when we are born, we're born completely sterile in a sense. Our guts are devoid of bacteria. Oh. But one of the things that happens for some children, less children than we would hope, but is that they pass through the vaginal canal Mm -hmm. and they get inoculated with the vaginal flora that is populating their mom's vaginal canal. Mm -hmm. So that's a really healthy and necessary process to the very first inoculation of a child's gut. That's their first exposure of gut bacteria. Well, I'm a twin and I was a C-section baby. So I'm like, oh, I didn't get that. That makes sense. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And there are things that's, you know, so that is one of the things that unfortunately with a C-section birth, um, we tend to see a lot more issues with eczema and asthma and yeah. some of those reactive auto, not necessarily autoimmune, but With that classification immune, type, yeah, yeah, immune type responses, and that's frequently because those babies don't get inoculated with that yep. plethora of bacteria upon birth. Um, yep. But that's certainly not the like beginning of the end. Yes, right, 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 right. <laughs> and now there's a lot of really great probiotics for kids who are born via C-section that babies can get probiotics, and there are even are. Um, there are hospitals that will do like a vaginal swab and then swab the baby's mouth so that they get inoculated with that. That's so good. Yeah, so if they're born via C-section, you can still get some. You can still get that swab and then swabbed and obviously it's not the same experience as passing through that yeah, canal, but yeah. it's certainly a good second good, best. Good. So, and then There's always hope yeah. for all of our journeys that started a little bit rough <laughs> yeah and then there's some bacteria that transfer with the gut milk from the mom gut milk breast milk from breast the mom milk. yep um that help too so okay. babies when they breastfeed then get that exposure to that as well it's really tough when you have a child who's born via c-section and then you need to formula feed them 
you need to be really conscious of introducing healthy bacteria That's smart into their body in the form of a, maybe a probiotic, a, an infant probiotic can be really helpful in those cases yep. to at least help feed their gut, feed their, their gut, get that started yep. in a healthy way. Their resiliency going. Exactly. Um, so yeah, there's, there's a whole, but then after birth, <laughs> there's a whole host of things that can influence our gut microbiota. So yeah, obviously it's beneficial to start with a healthy gut microbiota, but then so many kids yeah. early, early childhood are put on antibiotics, are having yeah. issues with recurrent ear infections, yeah. and then you wipe out their host of bacteria anyway. Yeah. So there is an advantage to having vaginal birth and breastfeeding, but so many things can influence the gut microbiota yeah. Yeah. that are even beyond our control. Yep. So don't feel like there's yeah. only one way to do things. And right. if you don't do things that way, your child is going to be disadvantaged yeah, because no. yeah. health, kids can be born in the healthiest of circumstances and then things can go wrong. Right. And, right. and then that influences yeah. their gut microbiota. I know, and we gave my daughter antibiotics when she was young, but it was also one of those like um, pros and cons, you know, I was like, okay, she really needs that. So I was just very aware afterwards, I don't push them on there unless I really need to. And then I really helped her gut after that, like we did the healthy probiotics that were good quality that could actually, you know, her be bioavailable. And I try not to do it very often. There's a lot to it. So yeah. 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 So don't feel bad if you did it. Just right. re, re, repopulate the gut. Then. Yeah. Now you're understanding how important it is. And now you can take steps to help, yeah. help your child or yourself be the healthiest person possible. Yep. Um, so certainly some of those environmental effects that can influence our gut microbiota include diet, exposure to toxins and stress, but also the age of an individual influences the population of their gut bacteria. Um, because young children's microbiota is profoundly different from mm. adult microbiota, okay. which is just interesting to me that I, our microbiota evolves with us over time. So there are populations that are found in adults that are not found in children. Interesting. That are not found in babies. And then there are populations found in babies, not found in children, not found in adults. If I were to make a guess, and this is not scientific at all, I would guess that their microbiome is more like fast, resilient, can cover all things where like our microbiome would be more of like that wise, slow, mature <laughs> microbiome where we don't have to do as much to just stay. You know yeah. what I mean? That's just my guess. That's our like, bacteria have long white beards. Well, yeah. <laughs> and drink only tea. Okay. <laughs> Sit on mountaintops. Yeah. <laughs> give advice. <laughs> Sage advice. Sage advice. Um, so the importance of healthy microbiota is that they're protective and they help like I talked about, they help curb invasions of potentially pathogenic bacteria and viruses. Um, so they're a super integral part of our immune system. And our immune system and our gut bacteria actually communicate directly with each other. I've heard of this. Yes. Yeah. So, yes. so the, the interaction is enabled by a set of immune tissues, which is known as the gut-associated lymphatic tissue, or GALT, G-A-L-T, gut-associated lymphatic tissue, which is arranged within and around the various segments of our intestines. And the GALT helps distinguish between beneficial resident bacteria and detrimental invasive pathogenic bacteria. So. Yeah. That immune tissue serves as this level of communication between your, you know, your internal system of that digestive system and then the external, quote unquote, of the other 
rest of your inside body. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and then they, the gut bacteria, having a good host of gut bacteria also protects against um, competing pathogenic organisms. So if you go through a round of antibiotics or what I went through where I had that massive bacterial die-off in my early 20s, then you don't have the competing bacteria anymore. Mm -hmm. And then more pathogenic bacterial species can take over. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of what they do. They're opportunists. That's what makes them pathogenic. It's not necessarily that they're inherently bad, although some bacteria do produce toxic waste products that are bad for us. Um, but it's more the fact that they're they're like the weeds of, yeah. of the intestinal system. You know, if you plant yeah. a tomato, it's not going to spread and take over your whole garden. But dandelions can, yeah. which is what makes them a weed. It's not that they're a bad plant. They provide a lot of benefits, right? Yeah. But at the same time, they spread so fast, they can easily take over your whole garden. And you also don't want that. And that's how it is with our gut bacteria. So... Yeah. There are bacteria, they all serve a purpose, they all exist for a reason, but if they start taking over, then you're imbalanced and you have too much of one thing and not enough of something yeah. else that you need. Yeah. Um, and our microbial core profiles are associated with a whole host of systemic disease. So one really striking example is obesity, um, where they've done studies comparing the gut microbiota of obese individuals with non-obese individuals. And there are certain bacteria species that are present in obese individuals that are not really? present in non-obese individuals and then vice wow. versa. There are certain that species. That is fascinating. Yeah. How can we, how can we change? The, I mean, we could do things, right, to change oh, yeah. those species. But. Yeah. And there's even been, they've done twin studies. So identical twins, monozygous yeah. twins, where they've compared one of them was obese and one of them wasn't, and it came down to a difference in their gut bacteria. Fascinating. Yeah. Um, That's fascinating. So they have done ex experiments where they've done fecal transfers. So they literally take like fecal matter containing somebody else's gut mac microbiome and transfer it to your gut how, microbiome. How, how, how is that transferred, Eleni? I don't. I actually don't know. I've never like looked into it. Do you it. have to like put it in a pill and swallow that? I don't I don't know <laughs> if I could. I don't know, but it's usually done when it's like life saving. Okay. So okay. somebody is like on the verge of sepsis or some sort oh, okay. of really okay. like and they can I'm not do a fecal transfer. Down some poop pills is what I'm telling you. I'm not. I'm just not. <laughs> Yeah, I actually, I feel like it's a surgery type of a thing, but I don't okay, know for sure. Okay, 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 okay. I've never actually, I've heard of fecal transfers. I've never looked into the logistics of how it's done. That's a good question. Okay. Um, just, for next time. Yeah, we'll I've never had the necessity to, but it is worth my, investigating. My curiosity got the best of me there. Yeah, yeah, but they've done fecal transfers from thin people to obese individuals, and then those obese individuals have lost weight and developed more of the body profile of the thin person. Wow. So that's Again, how big how of a role that go, plays. But wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's cool. That's so cool. it's definitely... So our gut is controlling more than we know. Absolutely. Yep. And I think, again, we're only brushing the research on it. And you I, know? I wonder if you'll say this, but you said like the gut-brain connection that, and maybe this is in here, but that, is this number right? Somebody fact check me. Something like 80% of your serotonin is in your gut. So Yeah, I'm not sure of the exact okay. percentage, but, but yes. a lot. 
So your it gut really produces is true a lot. That really, and I'm always the the mood health connection. So it's like for me, it's like that can affect your brain and your happy brain. Oh, you know? absolutely. Yeah. yeah, I'll give some good stats. Oh, on that good, too. good, Don't good. Oh, your mic is. Oh, I want to hear. I want to hear it. Um. So yeah. So getting into again all of those benefits of the bacteria, and then thinking about oh, it can even affect your body composition. It can affect your immune system. Wow. It can cause chronic disease or prevent chronic disease. That is one reason why antibiotics can be so devastating is because they wipe out our gut microbiome pretty thoroughly. And then that can allow for the invasion of pathogenic bacteria and allow them to populate and overpopulate because now the beneficial bacteria are not there anymore to outcompete them. Um, But an antibiotic can also be a good reset um, for the gut, especially if you had an imbalanced population prior to taking the antibiotic. Oh. You do get to start, start over, over with kind of a clean slate. You just need to act immediately because, yeah. you know, like I read that fact very in the beginning where a single bacteria could multiply over the course of two days mm-hmm. and cover the entire earth. So you can think about how quickly you need to work when you have that blank slate to really make sure you have a balanced yeah. microbiota. Um, but beyond that, our gut bacteria and, our, and the innervation of our gut can directly um, influence our mind, including our thoughts, our mood, even our cravings and our tastes for food. See, I knew there was a connection. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. So the gut is innervated, meaning nerves run through it. Um, and I believe what I've heard is that the gut contains even more neurons than the brain, which wow. is kind of crazy because the neurons are the form of commun- like the nerves that send communication. So yeah. think about how yeah. many communications are traveling back and forth to your brain all the time and how many neurons you would need to support that. And your gut has even more than your brain. That's crazy. That's um, crazy. And so gut bacteria can interact directly with what we call the second brain, which is uh-huh. this innervated tissue. Um, and it delivers neurotransmitters such as gamma aminobutyric acid, which is GABA, maybe mm-hmm. you've heard of that, and serotonin, which are both significant mood enhancers. So that's what yes. you were talking about, Kay, of there are literally bacteria in our gut that produce serotonin, but then there's also the communication of that second brain yep. helping deliver those neurotransmitters. Yeah. So we're not crazy. It's just our gut. Yeah. <laughs> just no, really. Gut. Yeah. Um, and so that's what we, when we talk about the gut brain connection, that's what we mean because there's an, a significant association between gut health and of course, overall health. Yeah. But especially the, there's a, a connection between gut health and mental health. Um, yeah. Anxiety, depression, schizophrenia, dyslexia, ADHD, autism spectrum disorders. Wow. These are all, could could all be a direct result of an imbalanced gut microbiota and an unhealthy damaged gut, otherwise known as leaky gut. Um, and that's just the microbiome part of our gut, but there's so much more to gut health than just the microbiome. But again, now all of those chronic conditions and then mood disorders and behavioral disorders that can all be associated with imbalanced gut bacteria with a damaged gut. Yeah. So it's important. Um, so just getting into a little bit of the importance of the now, we've talked about the microbiome. I want to get into the structure and integrity of the gut, which is equally important for our overall health. Um, because our gut is an essential barrier between what we call the outside world, 
which is technically everything else inside of your body. Okay, it's still outside. Okay. Yeah, it's the outside world compared to the gut. And okay. then the inside world, which is everything inside of the intestinal tract. Because essentially your intestine is one long tube from start to finish. Yeah. I mean, that's how food travels through. It goes through this whole system. It's not supposed to move outside of that tube. Mm-hmm. So... Then, yep. And then if that makes sense. Evacuate. Yeah. 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 I, I like to call it the pathways from snoot to shoot. <laughs> I have never heard of it. That That's hilarious. Did snoot you come up shoot. with it? I did. So I worked for... this is coin this. I worked for a supplements company back in the day. And we had these herbal tinctures. And there were yes. these really... The FDA regulations for what you can say in like describing yeah. a product oh. or put into the title of a product is it's really tightly regulated so you can't say anything about cold and flu you can't say viruses you can't because it's all specific health conditions you oh, can't got it. so you can't make like a tincture and call it you might claim that like this, this will cure a cold yeah like this will help that. hypertension or this will help cardiovascular disease like you can't name specific conditions okay, okay. they don't like so that. we okay. had a product that was i think maybe called colon cleanse or there was something like that, a tincture like that, where I was trying to write the description and not include any words that I wasn't supposed to. <laughs> and so I wrote that it cleans you out from snoot <laughs> to shoot. Because <laughs> I was like, how do I not name specific body parts and specific <laughs> conditions with this? Colon so, cleanse. Just getting, getting yes. creative. That's where I first called that. That's hilarious. So that's what the we intestine digress. is. Yeah. The intestine runs from snoot to shoot. It's one long tube. It's all enclosed. So that's how it should be. <laughs> um, and so the absorption of nutrients in the body happens in the small intestine, but it's the small intestine is not meant to be an open door. So there is passage of nutrients into and out of the small intestine, but everything else is supposed to stay okay. out. Um so our body, our liver, pancreas, gallbladder, and cells lining the stomach, and even our microbiota all produce digestive enzymes that they release into the intestinal tract to help break down our food. And then once that food is completely broken down, then nutrients are absorbed from inside of the gut to the outside of it, and then everything else is excreted as waste. So when you eat okay. food... Your organs produce digestive enzymes. Your gut bacteria produce digestive enzymes. They break down that food. They take out all the nutrients and they get rid of everything else. Um, So obviously you want that system to be very efficient because A, you depend on it for absorbing nutrients and B, you depend on it for then excreting waste. So you certainly don't want to be excreting nutrients and absorbing waste. Yeah. But that's what happens. And so many of us, when our gut structure is is compromised or challenged. Um, so just a quick tour of the anatomy of the barrier, because I'm going to use a lot of words going forward and I just want to introduce them Got it. so that you know what I'm saying. Okay. So we're all ears. The first part of the intestinal barrier. So when we're describing the intestine, obviously it's got several layers to it, mm-hmm. you know, just like your, your own body, your exterior body to make it a little bit more understandable. You have a layer of skin cells and you have layers of muscle cells and then you have bone. So just like we have layers to mm-hmm. the rest of our body, we have layers to our intestines. So the first layer um, is the mucosal layer, which is a thick layer of mucus okay. that's secreted by the cells that line our gut. So this mucus layer helps protect our 
the rest of our gut from the digestive enzymes mm-hmm. and juices and things that get released so that they don't degrade our own cells. The mucus yeah. layer helps protect against that. Smart. And it also forms a physical barrier between the inside of the gut and the outside of the gut. And it serves a lot of purposes, which again, this isn't a deep dive into gut health. It's just an overview. So I won't talk about everything it does, but that yeah. mucosal layer is the first layer. Um, and then there's a layer of what we call microvilli, which are like finger lake projections, little hairs, little finger-like projections. And they form what we call the brush border, which is essentially a way of affording more surface area for the absorption of nutrients. So obviously we have a confined space that we're working in, in our body. We only have so much room, like your food has to pass through this tube of your intestine and if you can expand the surface area that nutrients can pass over and be absorbed through, it's better. Yep. So it's basically a way of getting the most bang for your buck and the most absorption. Our body is smart. It is smart. Um, so that brush border gives us more area for absorption of nutrients. And then there's the layer of gut cells, which we call enterocytes. So the enterocytes are the gut cells. And inside of the enterocyte layer is the intestinal immune system that houses all kinds of immune cells to protect against foreign invaders. And it also houses that lymphoid tissue that we talked about earlier. That's that gut-associated lymphoid tissue or GALT. So that's where that's found. So when we talk about a leaky gut, a leaky gut occurs when those enterocytes, those gut cells that line our digestive tract become damaged in one way or another. Mm. And holes begin to form in the digestive like tract. literal holes. Literal holes. Like goopy mucus from the inside can now go yeah. out literal and holes. about. Yeah, literal holes. Okay. Um, and then additionally, th- that's one way. So the enterocytes themselves can become damaged or the proteins that form the bonds between our cells and keep them held really tightly together, those proteins can also be damaged and then gaps can form between cells. So you either might damage the cell itself or you damage the protein that hold individual cells together and form that barrier. And now those cells are starting to spread apart and so nutrients can move through those gaps. Um, So the gut can kind of become filled with these holes and then food proteins, bacteria, infection, like infectious organisms, toxic waste products, all of that stuff can begin to leak out. So now this system that's designed to be closed, yeah, yeah, that's designed only to allow nutrients into the bloodstream. Now it's allowing all kinds of things into the bloodstream and things that needed to have been eliminated because like they're harmful. The sewers. Not good. Yeah, exactly. Leak, leak at the shop. It's not good. Yeah, exactly. Um, so then, as these proteins and toxins and chemicals begin to leak out of our gut into the bloodstream, then our gut immune cells that are always standing by recognize those particles as foreign invaders, and they start recruiting more immune cells from that galt, and then they mount a full-scale response. So it's saying, hey, something's here that shouldn't be here. Something's escaping from the gut. Something's escaping. Something's escaping. The prisoners are escaping. (laughs) (laughs) They bring in reinforcement. They bring in other immune cells from other organs in our body, and they just mount this full inflammatory response. Now, this Mm. happens to probably every person at some point in their life. Okay. Because our guts can become leaky transiently. It can happen in an acute state of stress. And it doesn't necessarily stay that way. There are a lot of 
instances where it does and it becomes a chronic leaky gut. But everybody probably at some point undergoes an event that causes their gut to leak. Okay. So in the short term, it's good. It's, it's really our good. Good boosting immune response. Yeah. Yeah. You want that how immune we handle it. response to then be there and to handle it. Um, if it's happening chronically, you can imagine that that's bad. Mm. So small acute episodes of leaky gut can happen with stress, caffeine, intense exercise, dehydration, poor sleep, medications, toxin exposure, etc. So you can have any of those things occur in a given day and have an acute episode of leaky gut. Mm -hmm. Um, But if the response gets big enough or there's actual holes created in the intestine and it becomes chronic, then it starts to recruit other immune organs such as the liver to drive up the inflammation and send the immune system into this sort of overdrive. And when this happens on a chronic basis, obviously it's not good. I mean, you don't you want inflammation in the short term because it helps your body heal. Mm-hmm. But in the long term, it's just causing irritation and swelling and yeah. this whole systemic overdrive. And it's also distracting our immune system from doing what it needs to be doing all the time. If you have a prison break yep. and all the guards are there at the prison Always, break, yep, at the they wall. leave the rest of the prison unguarded and now people can get in and out from those unguarded areas. So that's sort of a metaphor for what it's like when we have that chronic leaky gut. Um, So as toxins and pathogenic microbes accumulate in the body, our nutrient absorption is hindered. And then additionally, our ability to digest fats and proteins is reduced because our whole digestive system is not working the way it's supposed to. And that inflammation becomes continual and then that's when we start to develop intolerance to like lactose or fructose or other like food sugars or proteins because we're constantly stimulating the immune system um and it it accompanies a whole host of conditions including allergies so for example um antibodies targeting casein in milk can arise because now for the first time your body is coming into contact with that casein protein, whereas before in an undamaged gut, you know, you would have had that milk protein and it would have stayed inside of that intestinal barrier and it wouldn't have come into contact with the immune cells. But when we have that leaky gut, now that protein is leaking out and the immune cells are interacting with it. And then it starts to form antibodies to it, just like it would any foreign invader. So you get a bacterial infection, you want your body to form Yep. antibodies yep. to it let's fight it that's what fights it off yep but it's not particularly helpful when antibodies are formed to food because then you eat that food and it creates an inflammatory response because now all those antibodies are already created against that food and so you're eating that food and you're introducing this inflammatory response and if you eat that food on a daily basis then you're constantly inducing that inflammatory response and those antibodies to it are growing so that reaction can get worse and worse and worse over time. So that's how some of those food sensitivities and allergies are created. Um, It also can result in autoimmune disease and autoimmune disease is really its own whole series of podcasts. It's such a complex topic. But just a really brief overview of how that can happen is so our Our body is trained, our immune cells are trained to recognize a certain amino acid sequence. So um, every protein is made up of amino acids. 
And when you're digesting food, you're breaking it down into individual amino acids. That's what proper digestion should do. But when you are not fully digesting food, which can happen when your microbiota is imbalanced or when your gut is leaking, then food proteins that are not just individual amino acids anymore, but are sequences of amino acids, it's not being broken down enough because of that faulty digestive system. Now these whole proteins can leak out into the bloodstream. Mm. So your body begins to recognize these proteins and it targets them as foreign invaders. Unfortunately, a lot of the foods that we eat have similar amino acid sequences to the proteins in our body. So our tissues are made up of amino acids and proteins and certain sequences of amino acids. And those sequences of amino acids kind of look very similar to the sequences of amino acids in the proteins of the foods that we eat. So when your body is mounting this chronic immune response against these amino acid sequences, and it's happening all the time, it's almost like your immune system is distracted and overworked. And then it increases the chances that it mistakes your own body's amino acid sequences for the foreign invader amino acid sequences and it begins to attack. So Hajimoto's thyroiditis is a really common example of an autoimmune condition where your body begins to target the tissues of the thyroid and produce antibodies against the tissues of the thyroid. So self-directed antibodies are called autoantibodies. So instead of targeting the proteins that are, you know, foreign invaders, it starts targeting proteins that are the body's own proteins. Wow. So that's what can happen is then in that condition in Hajimoto's, the body starts targeting the thyroid and attacking the thyroid. And it can completely destroy the thyroid. Whoa. And for many people, it's eight to nine years of this process from the time that those auto antibodies begin to be formed until they have some sort of health consequence that takes them to the doctor. So it's a long space of time. However, the good news about that is if you are taking care of your gut, you can prevent things from ever reaching the stage where they reach that crucial stage. But every single autoimmune condition that has ever been tested the individual has had leaky gut so wow anytime they've ever looked into it there has always been leaky gut and so it seems pretty likely that it's an integral part of that forming of an autoimmune condition i am eager to learn and like getting my notes ready to keep track of all your (laughs) advice to keep my gut in check like i'm like yeah so even Things like seasonal allergies, having bad seasonal allergies, having food sensitivities, that is a really early indicator that that immune system is not functioning well and that your immune system is sort of overreacting to Mm -hmm. things. And the more it overreacts, the more likely it is to make mistakes because it's just kind of firing on all cylinders all the time. Yep. Anything that looks weird, send it, inflame. Yeah, exactly. So that's when it can begin to attack itself. So obviously that's not how our body was designed to perform, but it can happen as a result of that immune system being really overtaxed. Um, So in looking at how a gut can become leaky in the first place, 
Certainly there's there's food components. Gluten is one of the most well-known food components. Like triggering? Yeah. Okay. Um, and not just for celiac individuals or gluten-sensitive individuals, but gluten itself can stimulate a protein called zonulin. And zonulin is secreted by our enterocytes, so those gut cells, into our intestines, and it helps regulate the opening and closing of the tight junctions. So when we talked about those proteins that keep our cells really close together to help form that barrier, zonulin acts on those proteins, and it tells our cells when to open, when to close. So... Gluten directly stimulates zonulin and it can throw it into overdrive and then those cells can be opened Okay. because zonulin is telling those tight junctions to open and then you can develop a leaky gut. Um, So excess zonulin levels directly contribute to a leaky gut and in certain conditions such as celiac disease, you always find elevated zonulin levels. Um, I quit gluten maybe a year or two ago now and I have to say like I feel a lot better but I didn't mm-hmm. really know why I did it I just knew huh I just okay yeah I'll yeah ke- I'll keep at it and unfortunately other grains and pseudo grains such as quinoa can also stimulate that zonulin response um which oh. is why you know it's not that they're just all bad and you can't have them ever but that's where you really want to watch just having things like that all of the time okay because they so can paleo's okay with their skipping grains sometimes. yeah yeah and i'm not necessarily recommending that or saying never have any of those grains but watch it because if you're having them with every meal you're activating potentially that zonulin response quite a bit and you're driving that zonulin up and then that can really trigger that leaky gut um and then tight junctions can also be opened by other dietary proteins as well as um some of the acute stressors i mentioned earlier so alcohol is something that can trigger that that temporary gut leaking yes um elevated cortisol levels caffeine consumption medications infections microorganisms etc etc so there are a lot of environmental things that can influence that leaky gut they just watch yeah yeah um and even intense exercise is one of those things that can trigger leaky gut because again elevated cortisol so our cortisol is naturally higher in the morning and then say you work out really hard And then on an empty stomach, you have a cup of coffee. The caffeine will drive your cortisol up. The exercise will draw draw your cortisol up. And that elevated cortisol is one of the things that can induce gut leakiness. Mm, That's sort of one of those, like you said, about your plants out to the garden. It's we need that gentle stress. We do need some stress, but not too much America. Are we doing too too much? much. Yeah, so a lot of like overtraining or for Olympic athletes or for people who don't give their bodies rest, adequate rest in their workouts, then that overtraining can really drive up that stress response, which can create that transient gut leakiness. But if you're doing it every day, multiple times a day, you're creating a leaky gut scenario. Mm -hmm. And same thing Mm -hmm. with alcohol. Alcohol can induce that transient leaky gut. Um, And so can, you know, a bad stomach flu. Yeah. So there are lots of things we can't control that happen, or maybe there's chemicals we're being exposed to in our workplace or our home environment, again, that drive up that inflammatory response that can cause that gut leakiness. So yeah. um, I want to f- 
round off the podcast with talking about how we heal a leaky gut because obviously now we know there's hope (laughs) a lot of things can cause a leaky gut and a leaky gut can cause a lot of problems but there are things you can do so we call it the four r's of gut health okay so it's remove replace re-inoculate and repair And then I like to add in the fifth R, which is relax. Yes, Um, yes. So with remove, which is the first step, the most important thing is to remove the pathogens, remove the inflammatory triggers, um, and and get to the bottom of that. So whether it's chronic alcohol consumption, whether it's eating gluten and you're sensitive to gluten, or eating dairy and you're sensitive to dairy, you need to remove the things that you're reacting to. So when you've had leaky gut and you've developed a lot of food sensitivities, you're probably reacting to a lot of foods. And so the most common way to remove and fulfill that first R is to do something like an elimination diet where you eliminate some of the most common triggers um, of food allergies. So you remove gluten, you remove dairy, you remove grains, you might remove um, eggs, And then nightshades are another common one. So tomatoes, bell peppers. Um, Sugar is an inflammatory for sure. And you're wanting to remove it. But fructose sugars can be something that people are intolerant to or reacting to. But in general, removing sugar, alcohol. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Dairy, gluten. Dairy, gluten, those things for sure. And then even in that you know, the vegetable seed oils that we've talked about, those industrial seed oils um, that are so bad and inflammatory for our body, you want to remove those things as well. Because what you're trying to do is put the fire out. So your whole body's on fire. This inflammatory response is activated. Your body's very upset with you. So you're trying to calm everything down. So you're removing the inflammatory food proteins that your body's reacting to. And then you're also removing any inflammatory foods in general, like sugar and uh, seed oils. Um, so, So we need to then, and then sometimes what's happening is, you know, a bacterial overgrowth or a pathogenic invasion. And so you also need to remove those things and treat those problems. So sometimes an antibiotic is a necessary first step because maybe you have an overgrowth of a really pathogenic bacteria or, and there can be natural antibiotics too that use herbal concoctions and things like that, that are just as effective if you want to have something more natural, but sometimes that's the route you have to take. Um, And then sometimes it's, you know, food additives that are bothering people. So food dyes and solvents and fillers that people are reacting to. So it can take a long time. All processed, yep. Yeah, it can take a long time to figure out what's going on. And typically you're going to need to remove the processed foods in order to get to the bottom of it because there's so many components Mm -hmm. in processed Mm -hmm. foods that it's really hard to tell what it is you're reacting. (laughs) Yeah, all of those things are in it. Exactly. Um, And then trying an elimination diet. So, you know, switching over to a really health-giving whole foods diet with single-ingredient foods. So apples are a single-ingredient food. Chicken is a single-ingredient food. Eggs are a single-ingredient food. That's what I mean. So whole real foods. Whole real foods. Um, And then avoiding refined starches and sugar that, again, are so inflammatory. And then avoiding those bad vegetable and seed oils. Um, So that's the remove. And then we need to replace. 
So the the second step is to replace those inflammatory foods with dietary nutrients and gut healing foods um, that are going to help reduce that inflammation and support our digestive food. So a couple of examples of anti-inflammatory foods are things like turmeric, um, garlic, rosemary, herbs and spices. Um, Extra virgin olive oil is a really good fat. Um, high fiber foods like vegetables, you're going to need a lot of vegetables. You want yep. some fruit, you want some nuts, you want to support healthy digestion yep. and passage of food. So you need lots of good fiber. Um, some beans in there. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then omega-3 fatty acids that we get from like wild caught fish and um, grass fed beef and pasture raised eggs. Um, certainly those things are what we want to replace the foods we're removing with. So we want really nutrient-dense foods, getting lots of veggies, lots of really good, high-quality meat. You need the amino acids found in animal proteins to help rebuild that gut lining. We have the same amino acid sequences, and so eating those animal proteins help our body rebuild those tissues because they can use it. Um, And then there are certain dietary supplements. Um, I'll go through a list of some of the things that can help at the end. Um, But certainly there are things that can help with digestion. So usually when I'm working with somebody who has leaky gut, as part of that replace, I have them take um, digestive enzymes because oftentimes their digestive enzymes have been reduced by the fact that their gut is leaking. So if you take... Digestive enzymes. Oh, uh, you can kind of get them anywhere. Yeah? Any health food store. I mean, locally here, like Natural Grocers has them. New Pioneer Co-op has them. You can buy them on Amazon. You can buy them from Fullscript. I okay. recommend looking for a quality brand. Yeah. Yep. Always. I always recommend that. But they're kind of ubiquitous. I mean, it's easy to find now. So what you oh. want to look for is um something with betaine hcl which helps replace your stomach acid and helps you digest your food further so having low stomach acid which happens to all of us naturally as we age our stomach acid decreases Mm. then our food doesn't get digested as well and there's Mm. more of a chance for those whole food proteins to get into our bloodstream because our body is not digesting food so well but we also on top of that aren't getting as as many like vitamins and nutrients out of the food because it's not being fully broken down. Yep. So we want to replace those digestive enzymes naturally. So look for a product that maybe has betaine HCL in it, which can substitute that stomach acid. And then, um, you know, most of them will contain a blend with like papain and, um, oh gosh, what are some of the other ones? Anyway, I'm blanking Other on words some that of the I names. Know. I don't know. <laughs> I'm blanking on some of the names, but there's lots of components that are in it that you. I always recommend people just look for a whole digestive system one um, that replaces the pancreatic enzymes and the stomach acid enzymes and the gallbladder wow. enzymes. And I've never heard of this. So I'm gonna Google this today. Oh yeah, I, I take it. one. I mean, I take one before most meals just because I know I have lower stomach acid naturally. Oh. Got it, got it. Yeah. So I take one to help with digestion. If you're seeing a lot of undigested food in your stools, that's often a sign that your body is not digesting food fully. Oh. So I always encourage people to pay attention to their stools. Maybe it seems weird at first, but it's mm-hmm. such a key indicator into of our your health. health. <laughs> yeah. That, yeah, that's one of the main things I recommend people pay attention Send to. Send a picture and she could look yeah, at it. Right. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Probably wouldn't, it wouldn't be the first time. Yeah. Um, 
(laughs) But yeah, that's such a like big component of it. So paying attention to that. So and then other signs that you're maybe not digesting your food fully could be if your stools look greasy, which is a sign that you're not digesting fats well. Mm. So work with a health practitioner who can help you find the right digestive enzymes to help you digest your food. Um, But that's one thing that we frequently add in at that replace stage is digestive enzymes to help with the digestion process. And then the third step is re-inoculate. So when we say re-inoculate, we're re-inoculating the gut with a healthy microbiota. Um, So that's where we want to add beneficial bacteria back in if they haven't been in. Yeah, and probiotics are often a part of that. So probiotic supplementation can improve the composition of the microbiota. Um, Oftentimes they restore some of the more common beneficial species like the bifidobacterium and lactobacillus um, that we everybody seems to have. Um, and then they can kind of enhance secretion of those anti-inflammatory substances, probiotics can, and support our immune function. I'm going to do a probiotic plug right now. So if over-the-counter, like cheap, well, I should just say a lot of the cheap probiotics aren't b- very bioavailable, but I use seed I wish they were our sponsor, but maybe one day. <laughs> Their seed is a super amazing company that's 100% bioavailable, and it's got a prebiotic as a shell and a probiotic inside of it, and I love my seed probiotics. Mm, so. Good. A yeah. little plug there. Yeah. And I always recommend, again, work with a healthcare practitioner, find somebody who understands, because Different probiotics contain different strains, different numbers of strains, different quantities. And so you really want to make sure that what you're taking is specific for you and what you need. Um, And if you've just taken an antibiotic, you're going to need a really strong probiotic. Um, And I know Seed is a really good company and there's there's other good companies out there too. Um, The thing about probiotics is it's unclear as to whether they really have long-term effects or if they just influence your microbiota for the day. Mm, That's good to know. But either way, it's important to, especially after something like an antibiotic or food poisoning or a colonoscopy or something where you've been completely cleaned out, it's really important to make sure you're providing probiotics to get your gut microbiome back on its feet and to add those healthy beneficial bacteria in. Because, you know, even if it's just transient, it's only for a day that it's influencing it, it's putting a lot of beneficial bacteria into your gut and that's helping outcompete those bad bacteria. Yeah. On yeah. a daily basis. So I think it is an important part of the healing process. I do think the jury's out a little bit on it. Some Yeah, that's fair. And I are. use my probiotics. I don't use them like you said, like all the time. I'll use them for a season. Then I'll take a long break and then I'll I'll kind of get this instinct like I want to take them again. Then I'll mm-hmm. take them for a month and then I'll stop. So yeah, I kind of play with it yeah because we're all just experimenting on our bodies you know like let's see if it works <laughs> you know, yeah gotta be better than alcohol i don't know <laughs> and you can also get probiotics if you aren't ready to commit to you know a capsule or supplement you the can find capsule. them in, oh no <laughs> no you can find them in fermented foods um things like yogurt which Kimchi. I would look for like a, yeah, pasture-raised, organic, grass-fed yogurt. If you're going to go that way, look for the A2 yep. proteins. The A1 protein yogurt seems to be what's inflammatory. So look for sheep's and oh, goat's milk, oh. yogurt, things like that. A2, I'm going to remember this. Okay. Um, yeah, fermented vegetables, fermented products, you yep. know, kombucha, kimchi, like Kay yep. mentioned, fermented tea. Um, the probiotics in food are are transient, just like 
the capsules that we take are transient. But again, that's a beneficial, a lot of those lacto-fermented foods are so essential for our gut mm-hmm. health. Yeah. And that can be a really beneficial way, especially if you're having something like sauerkraut, you know, where you're getting the benefits of the cabbage and yes. the cruciferous vegetables on yes. top of the good prebiotic yes. fiber found in those foods and then the probiotics. So I'm a big fan of like whole food, real whole food, real probiotics, which is because, how we would have gotten it in our body. You yeah, know, exactly. Throughout time. Yeah, exactly. Because the the plant fibers are a necessary what we call prebiotic, which is food for the probiotics. So you can't just put a bunch of probiotics in your body and then not feed them. Yeah. They're, they're going to die and not do anything. Yeah. So I really like the fermented foods because it gives the fuel that our bodies that our, our probiotics need to survive. Smart. Um, and then again, eating a varied diet. So eating all kinds of meats, all kinds of seafood, all kinds of vegetables, getting a variety of fruit, eating things that you don't normally eat in a wide variety, switching foods out all the time. And that can actually be really beneficial too in avoiding some of those food sensitivities. Yeah. Because the more you consume a single food day after day after day after day, the more you increase the chances if you do have leaky gut of that that specific food protein getting into your bloodstream and an antibody being formed against it. So if you're eating a whole wide variety of foods, then any one Mm -hmm. specific food protein is not just constantly being shown to our immune system. So you're less likely to develop that antibody response to it. So there's a lot of good reasons to have a varied diet, not to mention then all the increased vitamin and nutrient and, you know, phytochemicals that you get from a varied diet but then feeding our gut bacteria and allowing that variety of gut bacteria and preventing those food sensitivities from forming. We need to go grocery shopping. So the final um, official step is repair, which involves repairing the intestinal lining with specific nutrients and medicinal herbs. And again, this is where you really want to be working with a healthcare practitioner who has a good picture of what's happening in your gut and Mm. who can make recommendations as to how to repair that gut lining. Um, But what we're looking to do is repair the lining, remove the holes, because those cells do regenerate and heal on a fairly quick basis. So every couple of weeks, those intestinal cells turn over and rebuild. So it doesn't have to take a long time to repair the intestinal lining. However, we also have to drive down the inflammation that is now systemic and body-wide, and we have to... um, remove the antibodies from the body that have formed against the food proteins and those immune cells those take several months to turn over so those antibodies can stay in our immune system for a long time so so there's it is a long repair process lifestyle change yes yep yep and then keep it up it's a long process but the actual cells that line our intestines turn over fairly quickly um, so some some things that can help with that repair process help repairing the intestinal lining, improving the health, reducing the inflammation are things like aloe vera, um, mastic gum, um, something like L-glutamine, which we find in bone broth. That's one of the main yeah. things I have people do as part of that repair process is drink lots and lots and lots of bone broth. It's got glycine, it's got glutamine, it's got so many good amino acids in it that it's a really good anti-inflammatory, soothing, gut-building yep. food. 
Um, marshmallow root is another component that I frequently so see. So marshmallows, are you letting me eat? Ma- oh, marshmallow no, root. marshmallow oh, root. Totally different. It, dang <laughs> um, And then omega-3 fatty acids like we talked about from fish, fish oil, supplements, um, cod liver can help. Um, vitamin D is a super important one. Zinc oftentimes is found in those gut healing pro like pro supplements. Um, that's a really important uh, nutrient for you to have. Polyphenols, um, which are the compounds found in plants such as quercetin, curcumin, that sort of a thing. So lots of things you can take to then repair the gut, help rebuild the lining, but you can't do any one thing without doing the others. So you need to incorporate all four in order to completely heal your gut. Certainly making one change is better than making no changes, but making all four changes is what's necessary for total healing. And then I like to throw in the fifth R, which is relax, because stress is such a huge component of our gut health. Being chronically stressed and those chronic elevated cortisol levels can result in chronic leaky gut. So like we talked about in our last podcast, go and listen to the two-part series of the five things you can do to be healthier today, where we talked about the importance of managing stress. That's so key. So if you're making all of these positive changes and you're eating better and you're adding in the digestive enzymes and the probiotics and um, you're adding in zinc and and quercetin and (laughs) all the the supplements adding in the the nutrients if you're doing all those things then but you're still still chronically stressed you're not really dealing with one of the things that's probably a pretty big trigger in the development of leaky gut and so you need to deal with that thing whatever that looks like for you so relaxation techniques like deep Deep, and I don't mean big breaths, but deep breathing down into the belly, slow in through the nose, out through the nose, um, exhaling longer than you inhale, doing, you know, having time set aside for meditation and prayer and all the things that help relax you, getting a really good life. Yep. Yep. Getting a really good night's sleep. That's super crucial. If you're not sleeping well, your body will not heal well. You heal during the deep sleep cycles of your sleep. So you have to be sleeping well. So that's where I put in that relaxed one because that's such a yes. important mm-hmm. one. And getting healthy amounts of exercise too. So not overtraining because as we talked about, that can drive that stress response yeah. and increase the heat gut. But also movement not, yep. is not really important. Because <laughs> yeah, yeah. yep. again, like we talked about in the podcast on the five things you can do to be healthier today, movement in general gets our blood pumping, it gets nutrients to the cells, it helps wash the cells and clean yeah. the cells and remove waste. So it's yeah. a whole body process. Yeah. You're not only treating the gut, you're treating the body as a whole and understanding that if there's inflammation in one part of the body, it can cause inflammation in another part of the body. So you want to treat the body as a whole entity and not just keep doing all the things that are stressing you out and acting yeah. like it's not going to have an impact. So that's where I put number five in as relax. That's our bonus R. So yes. again, with that four R's, it's remove, replace, re-inoculate, repair, bonus, relax. relax. So that's a really pretty high level overview of gut health. There's a lot of individual components we could get into. Again, you know, with the autoimmune disease, with allergies, with 
things like autism spectrum disorder and ADHD. We could get into mood disorders. We could get into all of those individual components of the outcomes of gut health. And we could talk on an even deeper level about gut health in each of those specific circumstances. But certainly this gets you a good idea of why gut health is so important and why we need to work on it. And not just if you're having symptoms, but you want to work on your gut health all the time. Yes. Because you don't want to get to the place where you're having symptoms. You want to keep your gut healthy. So all of those things that I mentioned doing of the four R's, we all want to be doing those things every day, whether we're symptomatic or not. Because if we don't have a leaky gut, we want to make sure we don't develop a leaky gut. Yeah. So anybody could take this advice. So share this podcast with somebody that you know needs it today. Yes, (laughs) that's right. And thank you again for listening. Yeah, thanks for being renegades and thanks for caring about your health to be able to help the health around of the people around you, your own family, your own body. And we, we're all on a mission and let's keep on our mission here. Yeah. And I'll put in a plug since you'll have, um, before you listen to this episode, hopefully you've heard our episode where Kay and I shared our exciting news that we are creating a docu-series. If you haven't listened to that podcast Go back and listen to it. I can't remember the full title, but it has docu-series. Yep. <laughs> I think it's. I think the title of it is our super exciting news. So yep. go back and listen to that podcast. Listen to what we are doing to create a docu-series. And if you are finding the information in this podcast helpful to you, help us spread the word to others through the power of a docu-series, which yes. has all the advantage of the visual aspect and the stories and all the things that really help motivate people to change. So yeah, we're going to get the message of health and healing just out there to everyone and have that be the norm, this healthy way and help help everyone feel better. So please help support our docu-series. You can listen to that podcast um, on it and go and find the link to our Venmo or you can send us a check. All that information is included in those show notes to help us support and get that funding going mission out there all right all right thank you renegade thanks renegade have a good week see ya thank you for listening to the renegade nutrition podcast please keep in mind that this podcast is an educational service that provides general health information the content on this podcast is not a substitute for direct personal professional medical care and diagnosis you should always talk to your doctor before making a dietary or lifestyle change Go be renegades. Go be renegades.